Sebastian for the Metal Gods Meltdown, and I'm joined by... Charlotte Wessels from the lane, hey! <laughs> it's awesome to be speaking to you tonight. First, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. You've recently done and completed a full-scale tour of the UK. Can you tell me how it went and which show or shows stick out the most for you? It went wonderful. I mean, we did a lone European tour and uh, the UK leg of the tour was at the end of that. So, <laughs> saving the best for last, you know. And um, I think that especially the shows in Manchester and in London were very exciting for us. Um, simply because they were, um, they were very large shows. There were so many tickets sold. Like, we can really see that we're growing there. And we also did some shows in complete new territories. Um, like we've been to been to Norwich and we've been to, to Cardiff and we've been to, to Dublin even. So um, yeah, both exploring the new territories. Um, but as, yeah, I've got also especially good memories of uh, Manchester and London, which were, were absolutely wonderful. We've had a lot of fun going to Glasgow as well. Um, me and Otto are based where um very big uh whiskey fans scottish whiskey fans so whenever we perform in in scotland we um uh we have some good fun exploring the local culture as well <laughs> Moonbavers has been out a while now. How well have the new songs gone down live? Oh, actually, very well. Like, normally we kind of test the waters with the songs, and we play, like, three of them, maybe four, but this time we actually started out by playing nearly all of the all of the new tracks uh, during our live set, and they all work particularly well live. I think that The Hurricane is a live favorite of the entire band along with fire with fire i mean there's so much energy there um so um yeah the response of, of, of the audience was very very good as well so i think it is a first for us that we perform so many of the new tracks live straight away with each album the band has gone from strength to strength how would you compare moon Babies to the band's previous releases well i think that when it comes to the production, we were very satisfied with what we done on the Human Contradiction. Like we really liked the mix, we really liked the master, so we kind of worked uh, from there and then went more in depth. Um, one thing we've done differently is we've actually divided the entire writing and recording process in um, in three different parts, um, which allowed us to make more use of the of the shorter periods that we were at home uh, in between tours because. The last years have been so busy for us uh, touring and performing that uh, we didn't really have the time to go for it the traditional way, you know, of taking a few months off and dive into the studio and lock yourself up to write and record the new tracks. Um, so this was a way for us to have the time to um, give every song the attention that they needed. Also, have the possibility of going back to some songs that we've recorded already in the next uh, writing recording block and and refine it. And it really worked for us uh, when it comes to you know what remained the same and what became differently. So we did we did work with the same master and mixer and like classical arrange uh, arranger that Martin worked with. 
but I think that the fact that we divided the process in smaller parts that that really allowed for us to have an album with such a diverse uh, track listing because I think that this album is really an album of extremes like we have the rock tracks there we have like very sensitive ballads there and then I think we also have some of our um, like most heavy material on there and I think that this is partly due to the fact that we did record it like different places, different times, etc. So that's different and, uh, and that remained the same.
cover of Queen's Scandal. In fact, when I first heard it, I hadn't looked at the track listing. I just like put the album on. I was like, I recognise that song. Why do I know that song? And it was like, oh my God, it's Queen's. Why did you choose that particular song? Well, I must admit that it wasn't my idea. And, and at first I was also very hesitant because, I mean, Queen are the giants and you don't touch their songs it's like that's you just don't do it you know <laughs> uh, it's too scary everybody loves it and yeah there are some 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 things you just don't touch i think the fact that this is one of the less well-known tracks by them mm-hmm. kind of opened me up to the idea uh, the idea that was martin's idea by the way yeah and um so we did set out to ask for permission also and uh, our manager went uh, to Brian May directly and he listened to our tracks and kind of gave us uh, a permission in advance really wow on the, that he really liked what he'd heard from us so that was kind of the push we needed to say okay let's go for this anyway because of course that's the hugest compliment and motivator that you can get um I didn't hear what he th- thought of the end result yet. Very curious. But, yeah, like I mentioned, it was definitely uh, a push in the right direction for us to have to have his um, uh, permission. You will be heading out on tour in the spring with Hammerfall, which is just going to be amazing. I want to get into your suitcase and go with you because it's going to be in the USA, isn't it? <laughs> um, how excited are you at the prospect of joining this joint headlining killer tour? I am very excited about the fact that we're doing our first um, headline tour, a joint headline tour in the U.S. I mean, we've been uh, we've been touring there for uh, quite a while now, but still we've come very fast. Like, we came back every year, and we've done four support tours, and it is great to kind of be rewarded with the fact that we can do this um, headline tour now and, and also give all the people in the U.S., because there's been so many people who've been coming to each and every one of our gigs, regardless of who we were touring with, to see us play for, you know, <laughs> 30 to 45 minutes. Um, I am so happy to be giving everyone, like, the full set and the full experience. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. You're going to be playing Derbury in Belgium in April just before you go over yeah. to the States. And you're going to be with Arch Enemy. That's got to be a hell of an opportunity for Alicia to join you guys on stage. Well, the thing about this, usually these things happen spontaneously. Uh, we've done some gigs where she was around and we we were just um, messaging each other like, are we going to do this? And depending on the circumstances, but so far uh, it always worked out. So there is a big chance it will, stay, uh, will work out. I do certainly hope so, of course. It's been Delane's 10-year anniversary. What would you say has been the biggest highlight or is it yet to happen for you guys? Well, of course, I hope that our our biggest highlight is still in the future. Uh, I think we're a relatively young band um, and we have experienced some uh, absolutely amazing moments. But we are also very ambitious. And for me, it would be very sad if I would know right now that our biggest moment was already behind us. Um, Like I do always want to work towards... You know, and when I'm talking about big, I'm not even talking about, you know, how many tickets we sell or how many CDs we sell or, you know, um, but I do want to at least aim to, you know, write, write better songs, make better albums, uh, and, and go deeper artistically and creatively. And, um, and if in that process, 
we also reach a bigger audience, then hey, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, because you know that's 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 what in the end allows us to do what we do, and uh, things are looking very very well. Um, if I if I do have to. Uh, mention a highlight in the last years I think that for me it's usually when I perform on stages where I've seen my musical heroes perform then I always take a second to breathe in breathe out and realize that you know a few years ago I was watching Nick Cave or Radiohead or whoever on that stage hoping that I could be there one day that it actually happened um, and those are wonderful moments you do have such an amazing vocal range and you started out as a classical jazz singer would you one day like to do a kind of smoky room kind of jazz album no never um actually the, the thing is i i know that this was in my bio at one point and that it's been it's been written everywhere from wikipedia to heaven knows where but um when i started taking singing lessons just at the local music school, you could choose between two different um, directions. The one was called classical, and it was all classical music, and the other was all music that was not classical music, and it was called jazz. Uh, <laughs> of course, there is a lot more music that is not classical music. Uh, than jazz so basically I've done classical music and light music I did sing some of the jazz classics but it was never really my preferred territory um, when I was doing light music or what they call jazz I was mainly bringing like um, uh, Tori Amos uh, Kate Bush Joni Mitchell songs to my my singing instructor and at one point she said you know just singing pop songs nicely, you've got that down. Um, if you want to kind of deepen your uh, your technique, you should go and do classical singing because, you know, they get way more serious. So that's what I did. But then my very great singing instructor had a very different idea of what I was supposed to do than I had because she really... Um, Let's say when you take classical singing lessons, usually there is this kind of aesthetical bias, like they want you to sound a certain very specific way. And I just wanted to learn the technique in order to use that technique however the fuck I wanted, but that's not, that's not how they roll. Um, so in the end, I quit. So I quit both the light music singing lessons and I quit the classical singing lessons. Um, and I didn't have any singing training for a very very long time until we started touring very heavily again and now I am very happily following um, still voice technique courses uh -huh. and uh, those teach you all different voice types from opera to speech to falsetto and it's very scientific and they they say you know every singer has these registers on their palette and you must learn to use them all and then it's up to you what you want to do with that and that is something that I really appreciate you know it's science it's an instrument and I am then hopefully <laughs> the artist that gets to decide what to do with that instrument and I really really like that approach have you ever tried to sort of do an Alicia Growlin have you ever tried to sing like that because it's just phenomenal yeah, actually uh, the 
the grunts. Uh, so on Moonbay, there's there's grunts on Hands of Gold. That is Elisa, and then there's also grunts on the Glory and the Scum and Pendulum. Those are both me. Can do them, but I do notice that like my voice gets very tired when I do that. So I don't have the technique down quite yet. So I I can do them well enough to make them sound good. Like I can do them in the studio and you know drink lots of water and be fine the next day. But I have decided I'm not doing them on tour yet. Which I don't have to because Otto, our bassist, is, is uh, he does fantastic grunts, so we're covered there. But um, so yeah, I am learning how to do grunts, and aesthetically, I've got it down. But technically, I yeah, I need to practice.
understand you're a big fan of horror films. Would you like to star in a horror film? Or have you ever... <laughs> like horror films, but they're not necessarily my, my absolutely favourite genre. Uh, I w- would I like to star in a horror film? You know, the thing is, I am very... I'm very sensitive towards uh, other people's griefs. So I do like horror films which are supernatural, for example. Like one of my favorite movies ever is uh, uh, Palm's Labyrinth. And I'm not sure whether it would qualify as horror or fantasy or a thriller um, or even an adventure movie, but I've seen it categorized as horror most of the times. Um, And I love it because it connects like real um a real story to a fantasy story and the fantasy story makes a real story more bearable and i love that kind of storytelling and in that kind of storytelling for me it can get as gory as as you know i don't care but i i don't really like movies like saw or hostel or all these kind of torture porn things like it's totally not my cup of tea and i totally get disgusted by thinking about the fact that you know, things like hostel might happen in real life. And uh, so to me, it really all depends on the storytelling. And if the storytelling is good and proper and doesn't utilize some, you know, horrible things that actually happen in a cheap way just to get a thrill out of it. Yeah, it all it all depends on the script. It all depends on the script. For a good horror film, I would definitely like to star in it and, you know, bleed to death, no problem. I'd love to do that. But I am very critical I'm very critical towards all art. Terry Pratchett, are you a fan? Yeah, I am. Which is your favorite? Well, I didn't I didn't read a lot of him. I read, uh, I read Good Omens. I've read um, uh, Mort, uh, but I, I know that he's got a very, very extensive library. And I, I know, to, in order to really call yourself a fan, you probably should have read more. But I read some of his book, and I really, really love his storytelling. And I follow him online, and he always ha- has the wittiest reply to the news. And you know, just. He puts a smile on my face when horrible things happen. Uh, he did put a smile on my face when horrible things happened. Um, so, yeah, that was... Um, it's kind of sad that so many of these great people are passing away lately. Um, think that he passed away last year? He did, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but definitely wonderful, wonderful writer. Uh, uh, unimaginable fantasy, like... Reading people like him, I, I I feel sad about the limited scope of my imagination. Um, but I also think that reading reading people like him makes your imagination grow. So I won't let it discourage uh, discourage me. <laughs> Certainly. Well, I the first time I ever read Terry Pratchett, I was in hospital. I had uh, my appendix out, and my friend brought in Mort. And honestly, I need to split my stitches. That book is so funny, isn't it? <laughs> Such a coincidence, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I, I I thought it was absolutely wonderful. I I recommend trying trying to read Witches Abroad if you can one day. The earlier books seem to be better, in my opinion. Okay. Right, Phantasma, the Deviant Hearts yes. has been out just over a year now. Would you ever contemplate making like a a full movie to accompany it? Accompany it. I know you've got a book out as well, haven't you, with it? Yeah. 
Well, if everyone's inter- if, if anyone's interested to make a movie out of it, uh, please give me a call. Uh, it would be absolutely wonderful. Um, like I said, I, I mean, I, I love all of the arts. And, of course, whenever I... For me, writing the book was really... Um, I, I used to sit down and close my eyes and just see where it went. So, in, in my mind... I can see the entire thing, like I know how every tile and every brick of the house they live in, like, um, so I've got a very specific um, imagery in mind when it comes to to the story, so, but it would be very interesting to see someone else's, uh, someone else's take on it, and I already, it would be, it would be a weird process, though, I can already remember uh, when we were making the video for it, and they were making, uh, they were having an actress play one of the characters from the book, and she looked so different than I had her in mind, and I had a really hard time wrapping my head around it because she looked fantastic, and there wasn't anything that didn't match with my description of the character in the book it was just that in my mind it looked so different so i can't imagine for script writers if, if their scripts get turned into movies it must be part fantastic joy and part horror to, to to um to see a movie through to see your story through through someone else's eyes but i think it would be mainly very interesting as you can hear from my rambling it's not something that i seriously considered before <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny you should say that because going back to terry pratchett um i think they did a couple of films of his books and the characters just like you say they're not what you'd imagine them to be and it was like quite disappointing because you get like the picture in your head don't you and then when it's like yeah mm, it's disappointing yeah okay this is going to be a bit of a serious question it's a little bit of a long question as well um the world has had a massive wake-up call with donald trump becoming becoming due to become president of the United States and with Gert Wilders in your homeland getting a lot of ten- of yeah. attention worldwide how do you personally feel about the whole current political climate it just makes me so incredibly sad that people see an adult make jokes about people with disabilities and say this is the guy I'm voting for to see people make such racist remarks and say this is the guy I'm voting for to make people to, to have people hear such, such such sexist remarks and still say, this is who I'm giving my vote to. Like, I am not sure if, if the world is going to end when he becomes the president. I, I also think that there's a quality in remaining calm and, you know, not, not, not screaming apocalypse when, when something like this happened. But just the fact that that so many people decide to side with someone who is so openly racist, sexist, ableist, you know, it's, 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 um, it's unbelievable. And it makes me really, really, really sad. And it also makes me question myself and whether I shouldn't be louder about the things that I believe because we've always said you know that you know we're a band we're not about politics and of course sometimes things seep seep through everybody knows you know everyone who, who's who's read the lyrics to we are the others can guess mm-hmm. how I feel about you know someone like Trump becoming president um it makes me feel like 
becoming louder and at the other hand I feel like as we all become louder um, doesn't that polarize is even more yeah. like it's, it's really it's really it's really complex it, it is because at the one hand I kind of feel like everyone and this is something that I truly believe like everyone has the same capacity of, of, of good and bad and I don't believe in one truth you know I believe that everyone has their own challenges that makes them make the choices that they make but if I if I think about this I truly get a bit upset so mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know where where we can find the balance now no. in having conversations about this and I'm also a strong believer in you know don't don't raise your voice but improve your argument mm -hmm. but it seems like in today's politics if you just improve your argument, people won't listen, you know? It's it's really a matter of the one who shouts the loudest gets the prize. And I think that that's incredibly sad and, and I think it shows how dumb, mm -hmm. <laughs> like collectively, how, how, how popular it is to speak in small words in loud sentences and like, oh, I hate it.
will you or have you gotten some ideas for the next Delane album and when could we possibly expect it to fall or will you be releasing an EP like you did with Luna? We will have um, halfway next year uh, we will have a DVD of the anniversary show that is coming up on the 10th of December so that will be uh, the first release coming up um, I don't have any concrete song ideas yet for the next um, Delane record. I mean, there's always, you know, sentences here and there, little bits and pieces of, but um, we've got our first official writing week in January. So I think that that is the moment when, yeah, all of those little fragmented ideas will come together and form like the real first um, serious concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that we might take a little bit longer for this next album than we done for the previous two. Um, looking back now, I am very happy with these albums, but I do feel like in the end the processes were rushed. And uh, of course, as an artist, there is always at one point you have to you have to let your songs go, but there always remains this part, this little voice that says, you know, what could we have done if we had just taken a little bit longer? And you can never completely let that voice be gone or you will spend forever on an album. But I'd like that voice to be a little bit softer <laughs> with the next release. Yeah. Quick fire, five questions. Festival or small intimate gig? Mm, festival, yeah. Final or digital? Final. Friday the 13th or Halloween films? Halloween. Eat them cheese or Heineken? I don't like Heineken, but I'm not a fan of animal products and food, so I will go for the Heineken, just as long as you don't think that makes me like Heineken. <laughs> All right. I should have said Amstel, shouldn't I? Damn. <laughs> okay, then. Final, final one of those. How is it best to deal with a demon in your dreams? A sucker puncher.
Shot, any final words for your fans and our listeners? Stay happy and uh, thanks for the support. Thanks for checking out the interview and, and our releases and our gigs. And uh, have a great night. This is Charlotte Wessels from The Lane, and you are listening to the Metal Gods Meltdown. <laughs>